Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! We have got a lot of stuff to dive into. We are dealing with some serious stuff here this afternoon. My name is Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out and filling in Indie Spanglish on Twitter, Jerry Lopez. Now, I know your Twitter handle. Like when our executive producer came to me and said, you're going to be working with Jerry Lopez. My first reaction was, who in the hell is Jerry Lopez? But then they mentioned what your Twitter handle was. I was like, oh, Spanglish. All right. So welcome to the program, my friend. I promise we're going to have a lot of fun. We'll probably piss a few people off along the way. If you're still down with it, we can have a show today. i definitely happy to be here. More than happy to piss off some people, and uh, yeah, can't wait to get into it with you. We'll get a little bit more into your world coming up a little bit later on, but tonight, big vote taking place at the Indianapolis City County Council meeting. This is basically Joe Hogsett's gun proposal. Now, let's jump in the hot tub time machine here. Let's go back a number of weeks. This is what Joe Hogsett wants to have happen in Indianapolis. Purchase a firearm from 18 to 21. A complete ban on the sale of military-style guns, such as the AR-15 used in our most recent attack on IMPD officers. This package will end permitless carry policies opposed by law enforcement, as well as the concealed carry of handguns anywhere in Marion County. So that's what we're dealing with tonight at the city county council meeting. I mean, the reality is it's not going to end anything, right? It's going to it's going to do as much for crime as the bootleg putt putt is that we have out here in the <laughs> memorial circle. So un- unless criminals have agreed to not shoot each other on astroturf, this is not going to make one one bit of difference either way. It it, it looks good, and uh, like we heard earlier, it's misdirection, but it's. Honestly, if they're being 100% serious with their constituents, this is just a formality so that they can come back and say they tried to do something, but nothing's going to happen. So this is a campaign year. This is an election year for Joe Hawkset. And this is why, as you put it, the putt-putt greens are out here. This is why this is happening tonight. Where was all of this action the last couple of years? Now, first of all, the action tonight will never happen because even Joe knows you have to change the state law for any of this crap to come true. And that's not going to happen. He might as well go up there tonight and promise free unicorns for everybody. Anybody that shows up at the city county council meeting tonight, next year you get a free chupacabra if the Indiana state law changes, it, which we all know is not going to happen. Sure. And one of the things he wanted to change in particular is he wanted to change the, the, the buying age from buying a, a gun from 18 to 21. 
Um, another thing, he wanted to ban certain types of semi-automatic guns, uh, pistols, and shotguns. And we just became a constitutional carry state. Right. So I, I don't see what, what he expects. Well, he wants to get rid of that, too. But where? Just in Indianapolis? Just around Marion County, apparently. So you have all your rights until you come to the city. <laughs> right. And I can't wait for Guy Relford to come in here in just a few minutes and absolutely destroy all of the crap that's going to come out of this guy's mouth tonight. But here's the thing, Jerry. You know as well as I do, all of the yes-men on that city county council, they're going to stand up and clap like seals <laughs> when he goes up there tonight and says, this is what we're proposing. Vote on it now. Even though they know... It's not constitutional. They know they have to change the state law for any of this stuff to happen. They're going to go up there and vote yes on this. Yeah, why don't they just do two things? One, get rid of Ryan Mears. And then secondly, go ahead and just tell all the criminals that guns are illegal in Indianapolis. And maybe they'll stop using them. I'm glad you bring up the Monument Circle putting green because I walked around downtown as I normally do before the show. Sometimes I go earlier. Sometimes it's right before the show. I've been doing this probably for about the last four years. And what I saw today was two officers, not one, two on bicycles making their laps around different officers. I saw multiple police cars parked around Monument Circle. Now, I can't help but think if this type of police presence had been around in the last couple of years, maybe just maybe you wouldn't feel like you had to close Monument Circle. Well, not only that, but they've closed off different ways you can travel into Monument Circle. So certain ways are just a one way now. These are these are all measures they could have taken before any of this stuff forced people to, to stop. I remember when I was younger, we used to come downtown and just drive in circles around the circle. That's all we did. Right. Nobody was really out here getting shot. There was, the loudest thing you had was people playing their music and, and you know, just loitering kind of. Right. Now, now it, it's it's almost scary to be a parent and have a kid come downtown. So I, I think there's a number of things they could do outside of the bootleg putt-putt green that could really rejuvenate downtown, also make it safer. And the thing is, the reason you're seeing all of these extra law enforcement officers, Boss Hogsett wants this to be such a success so he can expand it out around the circle. Ultimately, his goal, his vision, and I think he's even talked about this, is to make all of the circle a gun-free zone by these private business owners that are renting the space. That's his way around a lot of these legal loopholes. But I'm just telling you, we saw what happened in Broad Ripple. When you fence people in, it's fish in a barrel, man. Yep. That big shooting that took place about a month ago, people couldn't get in. People couldn't get out. Once you fence people in, I see a lot of these guardrail things around this one little quadrant here on Monument Circle. Man, we'll see what happens. I'm happy there's police downtown. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me twisted. I'm not bitching about that. I'm saying this should have been in place a long time ago, and you wouldn't have to pander by closing off the circle. It, it, it definitely looks like a Band-Aid on a really big wound. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to get the goal that they want accomplished as far as, you know, trying to limit crime and stuff like that downtown because obviously these vendors aren't going to be open at 1 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. So and I coincidentally, all of this ends in November of this year. Right. Wow, what a coincidence yeah. that in an election year where Joe Hawk sits on the ballot, this goes away in November of this year. Uh, Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige today. Uh, big announcement earlier today, Curtis Hill has announced he is going to be running for governor. He put out a statement, quote, 
Hoosiers are hungry for a proven conservative leader with the courage to stand up for traditional values upon which our republic was built. Our campaign will emphasize a positive vision for Indiana, restoring faith in our institutions, protecting our children, investing in law enforcement. He goes on and on and on. So you good with this, Curtis Hill? Man, I like Curtis Hill. I think we kind of talked about it before. I like him. I like what he what he stands for. I know he's going to be in a tough spot after the uh, the AG uh, you know race that he tr- he tried to run and, and dealt with all the negative ads and the pushback um, and the accusations. Um, but but I think it's a good time. I mean, Braun, I, I think we agree he's the front runner, but it's just been ki- kind of quiet off in the background. He hasn't had to say anything. It no. sounds like he's kind of got that lead to where he can kind of cruise cruise control right now. Yeah, but but I think it's kind of dangerous, right? I think I mean Eric. Doden's out doing things. You see him out doing things. Um, the the lieutenant governor's out doing things. So I so I think that that it's a good time for Curtis to jump in if he's going to jump in. Would have loved for him to make this decision a while ago so he could build up some steam. Um, but I don't think anybody's so far ahead that they can't catch. No no party to me seems super energized at the moment. And the thing about Curtis Hill is I like a lot of his policies. I mean he is a conservative dude. He's not afraid to stir the pot a little bit. I have questions about whether he can win this thing, and if you can't win it, what's he going to do in this campaign? Is he going to be the Indiana version of Chris Christie here, where, all right, I know I might not win, but I'm going to burn this thing to the ground, and I'm going to put dirt out there on every single one of these people. Anybody that gave me crap for that little (laughs) scandal of slapping ass, guess what, pal? It's coming right back at you. It would make for a very, very interesting election season, I'll tell you that much. The negative campaign ads that are going to be coming out against Curtis Hill, lowering tax, more like slapping ass. You know those are coming, right? He has to know those are coming, and I think he's going to join Rob Kendall this Wednesday to talk about his campaign. All right, hit us up on social media at Hammer and Nigel. That's us. You can also hit my friend Jerry up here at Indy Spanglish. The Hammer and Nigel Show. So if you're watching the YouTube chat, you're probably wondering why is Nigel so tan? Well, the thing is, Nigel isn't here today. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Uh, Nigel's out and on Twitter at Indie Spanglish. Jerry Lopez is in. So let me ask the million dollar question here for folks who may be hearing you for the first time. Who in the hell are you? I I like <laughs> to say uh, I'm your favorite politician's goon. And really? I, I will say it like this. So if you're running for office, you got to keep it clean, right? Nobody wants to deal with the, the, the dirt and stuff. A lot of the reasons why a lot of people got turned off by Donald Trump, right? Um, but somebody needs to get that out there. And I don't mind being the person that, that does that. Uh, so pr- pretty prevalent on Twitter. It's probably the only place I live. Um, What's your background? Uh, so my parents are from Cuba. So I'm first generation American. My mom and dad came over on the Mario boat lift in the 80s. Uh, they were sponsored by a Catholic church out of the southwest side of Indianapolis. And I was born at a hospital that no longer exists called Wishard. Yeah, in, okay. In, in 81. Uh, okay. So I grew up on West Washington Street, Hawthorne Park, Rodius Park. Oh, yeah. Uh, that area. Morris Avenue, like Belmont. That was my old stomping ground. So do you get a lot of crap from people playing the stereotypical politics game here because you're not a pasty white guy from the suburbs, but you have some conservative views. Do you get a lot of crap from people? I love it. I love it. I think I think me being the person that I am makes, makes makes liberals have to have an honest conversation.
conversation. You can't look at me and call me a racist and try to just use that to deny all facts. Right. Um, so I'm able to get through that. And, and I and I'm the kind of guy that like, I put the pressure on them. As soon as I meet somebody that's a liberal, I shake their hand and I will look them in the face and go, you don't even look racist. That's how I start the conversation. <laughs> and they, of course, go, what are you talking about? And then I back it up immediately with CRT like, oh, you guys think. Right. That my life's harder for me because I'm brown and I'm not white. I don't get to enjoy some of the things you do. And they go, well, and I go, does that make you racist? Like, you don't even know me. Right. Does that make you a racist? Right. So I, I do that. And, and I'm, able, I'm able to have some conversations, but allowed to, uh, able to put some pressure points on people. And hopefully people just walk away and think a little bit. Um, because I know being the only Latino I knew growing up, like... Racism's a, 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 it's never going away. It's always going to be here. But B, if you go out and talk to your neighbor, like people are not at all what is being shown on TV. What do you mean by that? Uh, you know, they always push the low, lowest common denominator, right? If it, if, it, if it bleeds, it reads, right? Right. Um, so they get the most uneducated, most country redneck, hillbilly, Confederate flag, Dale Earnhardt tattoo, Mountain Dew drinking guy. And he's going to be like, woo, Team Trump. And then they try to say, this is Trump's people. Right. Now, I check a lot of those boxes. So do I. I, so do right I. There. I check a lot of those boxes. So I was a Jeff, Jeff Gordon fan, so no number three for me. But. I'm a 44-ounce diet Mountain Dew guy. <laughs> I'm a diet Mountain Dew guy, but I'm a Mountain Dew do guy yeah, right there but even too. that guy I don't have a problem with like quit trying to act like just because people are a different race or a different sex or a different nationality or ethnicity that we don't all want the same thing and I think we all do right we all want safe schools safe neighborhoods go to church take care of my family have a job and leave me alone do you still follow a lot of things that happen in Cuba and I bring this up because China and Cuba they've been playing you know grab ass here for the last year and a half mm -hmm. and now things are kind of getting hot and heavy they're going to build this base on Cuba. A lot of people are freaking out. But at the same time, and you know this better than anybody, there's been shenanigans militarily happening in Cuba for a long time. Sure. Uh, so my mom's one of 12. She is the only one that lives in the States. Everybody else lives in Cuba. Uh, so I was in the military. I'm not able to go back, I don't think, for at least a couple years because I had a security clearance at the time. Um, but I have two deployments to Iraq, and I'm not going to sit here and say that I didn't wonder why the hell we're flying over a country that's close enough for somebody to, like, push off on plywood, right? right? And we're not just circling the country and liberating it right now. Like, to me, that's always been, like, the largest form of humanitarianism is you have nothing to offer us. But you are closer than Chicago, and we can't, in good faith, let this happen here. Right. So I've always had an issue with that. And I think that if we really cared, we would. Chatting with Jerry Lopez on Twitter at Indy Spanglish, uh, filling in for Nige today. One of the things that I love about this radio station and Rob and I talked about this earlier today is the people that hate IBC or never listen and criticize anyway always say, well, you guys just carry the water for the Republican Party. You guys just spout out talking points from the Republican Party. Look, I am a conservative. I vote conservatively. But if you listen to this show, more than anybody else in this city, we bring the heat to some of these Republican dudes more than anybody, whether it's Governor Holcomb, the way Rob does with Rokita. Uh, that's the way we do things around here. So are you the type of dude who, even though your political leanings are one way, you can absolutely criticize the people that normally you would vote for. 100%. And, and to take it back, so I'm a I'm first-generation American, literally one boat trip from communism. I am. I am also a military vet, so I fought for the rights that we get to enjoy every day. 
Also, I realize that 60% of our population is scared to say anything right now for fear of being called a bigot, a transphobe, a racist, a this or that. So the vast majority of our population is scared. They have opinions, but they might not be as right. brave as you or Rob Kendall to just go out here and say them, let alone on, on radio. And even that, if I say something and you say something. I'm, I'm good. You're good. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. So since I know that, I say everything. That's awesome. And I have no problem doing it, and I enjoy doing it in a way that will make you uncomfortable because you deserve to feel some discomfort because somebody's finally asking you the question. Well, I'm happy that you're hanging out here today. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Stop! Calling your arms, guns. Hammer and Nigel Show. It is Monday, gun day, here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez is in for Big Nige. And joining us in studio, 2A attorney, firearms instructor, Guy Relford. Guy, how are you? Man, I'm great. And thanks, as always, to our sponsor, uh, that is Premier Arms in Brownsburg with the uh, largest selection of new, used, and historic firearms uh, in all of Indy and the area. And PA Jewelers located right in the store. Check them out at 3754 South Green Street or PremierArms.com. So do you think tonight we will see an appearance from one Diamond Joe Hawk set at the City County Council meeting where his wish list of gun control is going to be voted on? most likely pass through because of all the seals that are the Democrats clapping and going along with it. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this this whole proposal is based on his opportunity to show up. You know, he showed up at the hearing that I was at, at the Public Safety uh, Committee, um, and made his speech and got a standing ovation and had his mic drop moment and, and, uh, and you know, got to walk out and be a tough guy. He's, he wants to do exactly the same thing, because this is all about showboating and, and grandstanding for the vote has nothing to do with policy. It has nothing to do with making anybody safer because as we've been talking about since it was introduced, it can't have any legal effect unless Indiana law changes, which I don't expect to happen in my lifetime. So it's all about grandstanding. It's all about posturing. And he's not going to pass up an opportunity to do that. We talk about this a lot. Do people buy this? Like, is there somebody that's listening that might not understand a lot about Indianapolis politics. Maybe they're scanning their radio and they're hearing this show for the very first time. Do people actually believe Joe Hogsett could pass this crap through? Oh, well, I, I'll tell you right now. The answer to that question, again, was being at that hearing. Because it was packed. It was a full room. I've never seen that hearing room, and I've been there several times. I've never seen it so full of people. And and it was 95%, 98% people backing Hogsett's proposal. He had the Moms Demand Action ladies with their red T-shirts and their sign, Stop Gun Violence. You know, and, and, and when Hogsett walked in and gave his speech, I mean, it was uh, loud. I mean, people cheered. People applauded. When I stood up 
and said, well, just so everybody understands, Indiana law prevents this going into effect. In fact, it's written explicitly where it can't go into effect until the Indiana Firearms Preemption Act, which prohibits local regulation of firearms, is repealed or somehow rescinded by the courts, which I don't see happening either. So none of this has any effect. And by the way, let's say it did. What we're talking about here is you're proposing a fine because the city of Indianapolis can't put you in jail. All they can do is pass an ordinance and if you violate an ordinance, all they can do is fine you. So what they're proposing is to stop gun violence in Marion County, in Indianapolis. What they're proposing is that somebody who's on his way to murder his rival drug dealer, I'm going to go, this guy's on my territory. And that, I'm sorry, that a lot of our crime comes from exactly this scenario. Mugshot on mugshot violence. This, this dude's dealing on my corner. That's it. I'm driving by. I'm shooting him. I'm on my way. I'm not afraid of the death penalty. Right? I'm not afraid of 60 years in prison if I don't get death penalty. I'm not afraid of any of that. I'm not afraid of dying in a shootout with police or dying when, when my intended victim pulls his own gun. None of that scares me because I'm a badass criminal. And I'm on my way, and suddenly I go, oh, hold on. <laughs> Joe Hogsa could find me. <laughs> I could get a bill in the mail saying, you terrible person, you concealed carry a firearm. Or you, what, bought a gun when you weren't 21, a long gun. <laughs> I mean, is, is anybody... Buy this crap, but the answer to that question is, oh, yeah, that's a standing ovation he got in that hearing room. And I'm looking around, because those words are exactly what I said in that hearing room. And it was stone-cold quiet, and when Hogsett came in, they still went crazy cheering for him. Logic, facts mean nothing to these people. It's it's amazing, because that's not the only example, right, with Joe Biden and student loan forgiveness. They knew he could. They, they knew it meant nothing. Nancy Pelosi said yeah. the same thing. The president doesn't have this power. All they needed was somebody else to say no to him, which is what's going to happen when the state says no to Hogsett. And now Hogsett acts like he's the good guy. But in all reality, he knew it was dead from the jump. I just need you to turn me down so I can show up in November and say, I tried. And he can get the headlines because every TV station in the city tonight will say, Hogsett's gun plan passes. Yep, that's and right. They're going to think this is some sort of win. But, oh, by the way, in the probably third or fourth paragraph, and there's no way in blue hell this is actually going to happen. Well, that's right. And But Jerry's point is such a, a good one. And I'm really glad you brought that up because because what he gets to now say, and this is exactly as you're saying, and I'm agreeing, he gets to say, oh, the city of Indianapolis would do all these great things but for the evil Republican-led General Assembly who has this law that prevents us from passing this law. Just exactly, that's why your metaphor is such a good one, just exactly like the, the Joe Biden can say, oh, I was going to help all you people out with your horrible, burdensome debt, but the evil Supreme Court, right. you know, appointed you know, by all these Republican presidents has held me back to not allow me to do the right thing and, and blame it on someone else, even though going in, he never had a chance to accomplish what he said he was trying to accomplish. That's why it's so disingenuous, but it works. Substitute, it works. substitute Supreme Court for Republican-led Indiana yes. State House. Yeah. It's the exact same argument. It's a great comparison. Guy Relford with us Monday Gun Day here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. A couple different stories I want to get your opinion on here. So this Colorado-based company, they yeah. claim they've got the first commercially available 
smart gun for sale. Yeah. And the way this works, if I'm reading this right, you must use fingerprint or scan your face yeah. for this thing to work. Facial recognition, yeah. Um, it, apparently, as I understand it, Jason, it's got some kind of a dock that the gun locks into, and to be able to remove the gun from that lock, you got to you know, put your fingerprints into it, or it's got to recognize your face with facial recognition technology, um, like in the iPhones, I guess, that have now. And and they're saying, they were going to save lives because nobody will be able to get your gun uh, out of this thing and be able to use it unless uh, it, it's already pre-programmed to say that you're an authorized user of that gun. And that all sounds great, right up until you remember. Because And by the way, in the same press release I saw in the news story I saw, that you sent me actually, um, it said, yeah, this technology didn't exist a year or two ago, and now we're launching it, and it's going to be awesome. I'm remembering the first phones I had that took a fingerprint. And, you know, you, you scan your fingerprint, but, you know, you, you, nothing worked. You, you scanned it and nothing happens and you scan it again. Oh, no, I look, I got a little sweat or, you know, all right. You know, I got I got I got some mustard from my hot dog on my fingerprint right. and now it won't work. You know, and, and even people with with iPhones, I, I, I don't have an iPhone, but I see people, you know, holding it up to their face and taking it away and holding it up to their face. And eventually it works. Some guy's just broken into your home and he's got a double barrel shotgun pointed at your head. And you're going, yeah, boy, I hope my fingerprint works this time. Hold on for a second. Hold, Let me scan in. And so, you know, none of that uh, makes any sense to me in the sense that- Now, there that, are some safes that do that, right? Like safes yeah. where the guns are in? Yeah. Is this kind of the same thing? It, it's the same idea. Yeah. In fact, and, and to be honest, and that- Technology has come a long way. In fact, I have a fingerprint-based safe um, that uh, that that works fairly well. But what I don't want to see, even if I trusted the technology, which I'm still dubious about, because I'm sorry, if it works 99% of the time, you know, the Murphy factor is going to kick in, and and it's going to be that one time you need it that's not going to work. That's why I don't necessarily trust it. But where this is going, and where you're already seeing groups like the Bloomberg uh, groups and Moms Demand Action and the Glifford, the, the, the Gifford Center and the Brady campaign, they're all looking at this go, ah, what we really need now is a law to make this technology mandatory, where you can't own a gun unless it's a smart gun, technology-equipped firearm, because that's that's where this is going. That's what a lot of us are, are, are concerned about. And there have already been laws passed. I believe it was... Don't quote me on this. I want to say New Jersey passed a law that said as soon as smart gun technology is available, it has to be sold in gun stores mandatorily. You could they go in and fine gun stores if they don't offer the technology. So New Jersey is already trying to mandate it as far as being available for sale. Now I worry about the next step, which is mandating the possession of them. And I don't trust that for a moment. So I, so I guess I have two part question. Number one, you said it has to have anybody's information. You have to put it in yourself. Yes. Right. So it would be you, your spouse, and any adult children you may have that live at the house. Correct. Because yeah, worst case scenario, yeah. it's just you, and you're having an issue, and Nobody else in the house can get to the gun because it's only exactly. your facial exactly right. or your fingerprint, right? Yeah, and and we have instances all over the country where the twelve year old grabbed the shotgun, right. you know, as a home invader. Defends the family. Dad's not home. Mom, you know, mom's asleep upstairs. So yeah, you, you worry about those issues too. And then I guess the second part of it is how long do you think our government lets you roll with fingerprints and facial recognition for your gun safe before there's a database that's used for people <laughs> that have this? In the spirit of security, we would like to just know. Right, you in know, the spirit of security yeah. being the key phrase yeah. there. Can we also turn off your stuff when we feel like you shouldn't have it? 
Uh, it, I mean, and you know what? Those things are already happening. I mean, in, in the sense of, and I, you know, Jason knows I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, uh, but in terms of building databases and facial recognition databases, uh, that's already been established. Those things are going on. So you really want to provide that much more information that's then potentially accessible because who knows what happens to this once it goes into the system. Right. And I don't know if it's internet connected or any of that. I don't think so. I think it's probably more like a safe and that kind of thing. But it's stored. It's in there. Suddenly, that gets made available yeah i could see that definitely being a concern down the road as well guy relford joining us in studio guy there's a lot of stuff on the docket at the supreme court and a lot of it is about firearms one of the things that jerry and i were talking about earlier before the show was this one situation about domestic violence right what are we looking at here well this is a case that came out of texas the fifth circuit court of appeals actually oversees texas louisiana and mississippi and what it uh what this case said is that a person simply under a domestic violence order of protection so this is not someone who's been convicted of a crime necessarily. Uh, it's just someone where uh, they're subject to a court order that's been obtained to say, "Hey, you can't harass someone, stalk them, etc." And 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 these are these these are an important tool, and I acknowledge the value of them. At the same time, you're talking about somebody losing a constitutional right that hasn't been convicted of any crime. And I have this case come up all the time. I have people call me and say, yeah, I just found out I, I can't buy a gun. I can't even own a gun. And I'll go, well, what happened? And they'll say, well, you know, I, I have an ex and, and we had kind of a bitter divorce or a bitter breakup. And so... They, this is uh, how some places do red flag laws. Some yeah, states, well, right? Yeah. Well, that's right. Red flag laws, same thing. You can be deprived of your of your guns and your Second Amendment rights without having been convicted of a crime. But somebody will say, "Yeah, I go. You know, I got a notice in the mail that said she wanted me to stay away from her, or he wanted me to stay away from him, and I didn't care. I didn't. I, I didn't want to see him anymore. So I didn't even show up at the hearing. And they it, they they entered the order. Now suddenly, I find out I'm legally prohibited from possessing a gun. And so that's the issue. It's if you're simply so Subject to a domestic violence order of protection because federal law and actually Indiana law says the same thing. You can't own a gun if you're subject to one of these things. And this is not to minimize the problem with domestic violence. I mean, my mother has been the victim of domestic violence, not from my father, uh, thank God, but, 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 but otherwise. And so I'm very empathetic, but that's the issue. It's not a great case fact-wise because the, the actual petitioner here uh, is, is, is not a good guy. He's had multiple shooting incidents. He's had other legal problems. He's clearly not the poster child you would want to take up uh, on a Supreme Court case. But with the precedent that we have in this new Bruin versus New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case that came down last week, or excuse me, last fall, um, there's a whole new standard for deciding these cases. And they have to show there's a historical precedent going all the way back to the founding or even based on law that led to the founding of this country and, and the writing of the Constitution. And, and, and since then, that there's been historical support for this kind of law. And they're not going to have that. That's why, the, that's why the petitioner won in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. That's why I fully expect him to win in the Supreme Court, because under the new standard announced just last fall by Bruin, um, by the Supreme Court in the Bruin case, um, I don't expect him to win this case. The only thing that makes me nervous is that is the party in this case that's representing that issue is not a guy you'd uh, necessarily want to bring home and introduce to mom. Right. Got it. If anybody wants to continue this conversation or if they've got questions for you, how can they find you? Yeah, on Twitter. It's a great way. I'm trying to build my Twitter following a little bit. So at Guy Relford on Twitter. Guy, you're the best. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out on Twitter at Indie Spanglish. Jerry Lopez is filling in. And man, this is not the story we wanted to bring you today. Marion County Sheriff's Deputy John Durham, a 38 year veteran of the department, killed earlier today when an inmate attacked him in an escape attempt at the Marion County Sheriff's Office, took control of the van, escaped out, ultimately crashed, was apprehended. Another member of law enforcement was injured, but John Durham, a 38-year veteran of the department, lost his life in this. Let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Rick Snyder. He is the president of the Fraternal Order of Police. And Rick, I don't even know what to say. This is the third law enforcement official in the state of Indiana that has lost their life in a week. You were coming from the funeral of another officer in Tell City back to Indy, and you get this news. Um, take me through your thoughts. Yeah, guys, I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity just to uh, speak with you guys. We were actually concluding the memorial service uh, for Sergeant Heather Glenn down there in Tell City, and we were actually still in the funeral when we started receiving notifications of what was going on back here at home. So at the conclusion of that, uh, I and some of our team literally walked right out of that funeral uh, to get into our cars to head back here stand alongside our sisters and brothers of the Marion County Sheriff's Office. So, uh, you know, this is three back-to-back tragic line-of-duty deaths of Indiana law enforcement officers here in, uh, in the central Indiana and, and southern Indiana regions, and uh, all within a week, really. And so when you look at that, the toll this takes on our law enforcement partners throughout the state is extensive. And it's not just our officers, but their families. Remember, guys, uh, They've got family, spouses, and children who are all watching this and seeing this happen. And here's what it's a reminder of. We are uh, averaging right now in, the, in, in America, I just confirmed these numbers, but we're averaging an officer dying in line of duty once every 50 hours so far this year. And Rick, these three situations that we're talking about here in Indiana, all three very different. Everything from line of duty, someone putting out stop sticks near Plainfield. We're talking about a shootout in a hospital. And today at the adult detention center complex, the inmate attacking uh, Deputy Durham, all three of these things very different. And if anything, it just goes to show whenever somebody decides to wear that badge, go into law enforcement, you never know what that day could bring. Well, that's what we often say, right, is that the tragedies that we're confronted with here uh, not only reminds us of what our officers do on a day in and day out basis, but what they may have to do. And you got to remember, you have women and men who step forward to stand this line out on the street in patrol. But just like today, you have a, a detention deputy uh, who then is part of the ongoing process 
after the arrests have been made. And so the dangers are always there. I think what it's important for our communities to remember is that uh, there is real evil and wickedness in this world. And it's those who stand upon the thin blue line that work to keep that separate uh, from the good folks in the neighborhoods that we serve. And uh, we just ask that our communities once again uh, continue to pray for these families uh, that just had their absolute world shattered uh, in the blink of an eye. Hey, this is this is Jerry, and I just wanted to step in real quick and just let you know that, that our hearts and prayers with you and your and your police brothers and sisters. Uh, as somebody who was a military member who has multiple deployments overseas, it kind of feels the same as uh, as that what we used to go through. And uh, so when you mention the family members and the and the kids and and you know extended family members, you know grandmas and grandpas and uncles that live in other states and they're hearing this stuff, um, I'm sure they're they're filled with anxiety and everything else. Um, so I just wanted to let you know that you know. No, it's horrible to hear, but please don't think for one second that uh, that we don't support you and and your and your fraternal family and uh, you know just just praying for everybody to to not only get through this but to just have a certain amount of peace um, going forward. So it, it sucks well, to hear this, but but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very 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 sorry to hear this. Well, and you know our officers, we just I just had so many officers and community folks in the community commenting on this awesome display that we always see when we have one of these line of duty funerals and all the residents who come out and line the streets and the signs and the kids and all those other things and it's breathtaking line of duty funerals are one of the most beautiful and most tragic things all at the same time that you'll ever see and one thing i keep saying is to our officers you have to remember that all those folks you see lying in those streets are supporting you day in and day out. And oftentimes it's that great silent majority that we don't hear enough from. And one of the things that our officers always say is we wish we could see and hear this outside of a death, outside of a funeral. Um, and I think in, in central Indiana and what we know from Hoosiers is that they support their law enforcement and they come out strong. So, but this is the time for our folks to stand up and say that violence and wickedness is not acceptable in our communities and hammer as you were pointing out it, you know it doesn't matter uh, what weapon is used or a car is used or whatever the case may be it's the human heart that's behind all of that and there are truly evil people in our world and uh, they need to be separated from our community and from folks who want to live in peace um, and it's our officers and our deputies and our troopers uh, who stand that line for all of us Rick Snyder is our guest, president of the Fraternal Order of Police. Rick, I think most of our audience knows where I stand on this, but do you think if the death penalty were used more in Indiana, specifically on those who take the lives of our law officers, there's a couple folks that are on Indiana death row. I know one for a fact that is completely out of appeals that has killed an officer. Do you think if that happened more often, some of these executions were to take place, would that maybe send a message to people that if you kill an officer in Indiana, you will meet your maker? Well, I think there's really a, a requirement as a society that uh, those types of violent attacks um, have the most severe penalties associated with them. And uh, we do have that available in Indiana. But what I would suggest 
is that what's even more important is that it's it's twofold. One, yes, there needs to be the highest level of accountability, including the death penalty available for instances such as the taking of a life of a law enforcement officer. And it's one of the aggravated uh, factors that are make it eligible for the death penalty. However, what we would suggest in law enforcement is we should be taking lower level violent offenses more seriously and making sure there's strong accountability for those offenses where we can interrupt these cycles of violence and prevent the line of duty death of the officer from occurring to begin with. That is the key factor that is involved. And, uh, you know, I, I know that the good folks throughout Indiana, they know that's what we need to be doing. Um, you know, and tragedies can always occur. Uh, that's why our officers, every time they leave home, they know what they're putting to risk, and so do their families. And that's why we got to fight so strong, guys. That's why I remain so passionate uh, when I stand in defense of our officers and and uh, those who, uh, you know, cause their jobs to be even harder because of political decisions or policy decisions that are made. And uh, there will be plenty of time to talk about that. But now we got to circle our arms around this family, a strong law enforcement family, by the way. Uh, and there will be significant ripple effects throughout the local law enforcement community from this because of the family ties. And as the sheriff said today, even family members all the way across in other countries serving in our military, uh, finding out that their father has passed. It's just a tragic circumstance all the way around. Rick, last thing here before we let you go. And this kind of piggybacks off of something Jerry brought up earlier. The amount of people showing their support uh, for law enforcement, wishing the family family, uh, nothing but the best, praying for these families. I think this even goes to the victims' families. There was a moment in the funeral for Indiana State Police Trooper Aaron Smith, where I think it was Superintendent Doug Carter that was speaking on how the family members were going in the hospital to see the body of their fallen loved one, and as they prayed, not only were they praying for strength for their own family, but they were also praying for the strength for the fellow members of law enforcement. And I thought that was an incredibly powerful thing. Well, it's an absolute fact that is what happened. And it's a reminder of the power of prayer. And I would say as we move forward here, you know, three back-to-back -back line of duty deaths, people say, what can we do? I would call upon the residents of Indiana to show their support for our law enforcement officers. It's time to put those blue lights back on our front porches, turn those on at night, um, and show people that you support law enforcement. And um, that would be a great gesture for communities throughout Indiana just to display those blue lights and all of our corporate businesses that have the ability, turn your lights to blue and show these officers that you're standing with them while they're in the middle of this valley. And there is great power in prayer. Uh, we don't take it lightly. Gentlemen, you know I don't take it lightly. Uh, when we ask folks to pray for our officers, we mean that. And I, I, I know this for a fact. Where two or three are gathered, the Lord is present. He is there. And he will respond. And we invite him into our communities to help fight back against this wickedness uh, and stand for good and righteousness. We're called to love God and love our neighbor. And this is the time where we can show that out throughout Indiana. 
Rick Snyder, President, Fraternal Order of Police, Lodge 86. Rick, as always, we appreciate your time. And I'm dead serious when I say this here. Thank you for doing what you do. You are doing God's work, my friend. I know it's not easy, but there's nobody I would rather see in the position than you. Uh, it's not easy, but keep doing your job, man. I appreciate everything you're doing. Well, I thank you. It's a big team effort, and we're grateful to everybody in the FOP who helps make these these services possible. It's a great, great team and a great honor. Amber and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. And with Big Nige being out today, Jerry Lopez is filling in. He gets to play America's fastest growing game sensation. Is this anything? And this is how it works. I'm going to run some stories by Jerry. He's going to break down all the information. He'll give you a verdict. Is the story anything or not? You ready to roll? Ready to roll. Is this anything? Andrew Luck will officially be eligible for the NFL Hall of Fame ballot in 2024, next year. Now, he's not part of the Colts' ring of honor, but could get a few votes for the NFL Hall of Fame. Is this anything? Yeah, I think it's about as quick and as fruitless as his career was. So (laughs) it doesn't matter if this is a thing now. It's cute right now because they know it stirs up controversy. This is not a thing. This is not a thing. Are you one of the folks that feels like Andrew Luck quit on his team? Uh, I'm one of those people that feels like winning the division was always a foregone conclusion, so I give you no credit for that ever. Like Making the playoffs was not a big deal as Colts fans because we always did. When I look past that, I don't think he did much. I think he missed out on the years where he could have actually taken him uh, to the next level. So, no, it's not a thing for me. I'm not going to lie. I'd settle, for, I'd settle for one of those division titles right now. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I'd settle for one of those division titles. But, man, I remember the last time we saw Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. Nigel was at the game. Preseason final game against the Bears. Boot off the field. <laughs> Boot off the field. <laughs> yeah. Last yeah. image we have of Andrew. Well, he did Luck. it horribly. I mean, you quit six weeks before. Like, I think people would be less upset if you made the decision at the end of your year and let everybody know what was going on. But, right. I, but I felt like he left uh, the fans and the organization standing trying to find a quarterback with like six weeks before the season started. And there's a lot of dudes in that locker room. And I was friends with a couple players during that era. They wouldn't come out publicly and say it, but they were pissed. They were pissed off, and they thought he quit. But if you come out and say that, you've got writers from the star and everybody, well, you don't know what's going on in his life. You get all that crap. So I get it. Is this anything? A couple in Colorado claims to have had the very first wedding officiated by AI. Here is some of the ceremony officiated by ChatGPT for the newlyweds. Thank you all for joining us today to celebrate the extraordinary love and unity of Reese Allison Lynch and Dayton Truitt. We are honored and grateful to have each and every one of you here. We witness the joining of two souls in love, and on this remarkable day, we also embrace an extraordinary moment of innovation. As we have the privilege of being part of the first AI-officiated wedding, we eagerly look upon this ceremony not only as a celebration of your love, but also as a symbol of unity between humanity and artificial intelligence. 
that anything? I mean, it could be Stephen Hawking, but um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I would be more impressed if it was if it was uh, narrated by like Oregon Trail, the old school computer or something like I that. I love the Oregon I don't think Trail. Th- I don't think this is very cool. I don't think this is very cool. Without the Oregon Trail, I wouldn't know what dysentery was because I always mm-hmm. died from it in Oregon Trail. And I don't know if anybody's ever died from it in real life, but if you didn't get the right medicine and the right goods in that damn Oregon Trail, you were dying yep. of dysentery. Yep. And I tried the Ford the River and we never made it. We never made it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Chat GPT, as long as it's certified, I guess you could save some bucks on your wedding because, man, weddings ain't cheap. You've got daughters, right? Yeah. One day, you're going to be on the hook for a big wedding. Maybe this needs to be a thing. Is that what you're telling me? This needs to be a thing. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't rule it out. <laughs> I, I, I think it's weird. I think it's weird. It's not that cool to me. If anything... This gives us an excuse to have great moments in pastor history, whether it's AI, whether it's in real life, great moments in pastor history. Remember the pastor in Missouri that went viral because he shamed his congregation because they didn't buy him lavish gifts. See, that's how I know you still poor, broke, busted and disgusted because of how you've been honoring me. I'm not worth your McDonald's money. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. I ain't worth your St. John Nick. Y'all can't afford it no how. I ain't worth y'all Louis Vuitton. Wow. I ain't worth your Prada. I'm not worth your Gucci. You can buy a Movado watch in Sam's. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And y'all know I asked for one last year. Here it is the whole way in August. I still ain't got it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Let me kick down the door and talk to my cheap sons and daughters. I don't want to hear no more excuses about what y'all can't afford. You can't afford it because you don't see the value here. When y'all hear from y'all pastor and father, I'm over y'all. I'm over your cheap expressions. Does Jerry look me in the eye and tell me he doesn't sound exactly like Reverend Brown in Coming to America? He, that's exactly who I thought of. And I want you to hold on to God's unchanging hand <laughs> to help Joshua fight the battle of Jericho. Yes. He helped Daniel get out the lion's den. He helped Gilligan get off the island. And not to be left out of the conversation, very underrated film. Don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood, the pastor in that movie. Now, now I realize that, that, that every now and again, some of you women folk, you get hot, <laughs> you get bothered, and every now and again you get hot and bothered. <laughs> well, what I want you to do when you get that hot and you need a little relief, I want you to, I want you to call me. Great moments in pastor history exclusively here on The Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. More coming up a little bit later on. Big news day today. Not a lot of positive stories to talk about. But you know what? I think this story falls into the positive category. I'm Jason Hammer, by the way. Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige. 
Larry Nasser got stabbed in prison today. And Jerry, if it makes me the bad guy for liking this, for being happy about this, for seeing that he got stabbed in the back, in the front, in the neck, and say hello to the bad guy then, because I'm fine with this. This guy's one of the biggest perverts, biggest creepers that I can remember. Now, for those who don't remember who Larry Nasser is, he was the guy that was basically abusing female gymnasts sexually. He was employed by Michigan State, and a lot of these female gymnasts were claiming he was sexually abusing them. And then he got busted for it. He's in jail. He got stabbed. I got no issues with that. Yeah, and, and we're talking about like 40 girls over 14 months, everybody from Simone Biles, you know, d- down down the list of, of the U.S. Olympic team. Um, there are, There's one thing I know for sure. If you do this, you do not want to go to jail because this is this is how they handle it. And so sometimes in a lot of cases like this, the uh, the jail justice system works just as good, if not better than the normal justice system. I see nothing wrong with this. I let predators take care of predators. So, you know, prison is such a hellhole. The rules of engagement inside those walls, unfortunately, If you take the life of a law official, you're going to be viewed as some sort of almost made man from the mafia inside those walls. But if you harm a child, if you sexually abuse a woman in some way, you're right. Prison justice sometimes might not always be swift, but it is just when it happens. And it's showing up no matter who, no matter who you are. It may take days, months, years, but it always shows up. And it's something to be said when the hardest of hard criminals view this as a on-site repercussion. And think about this creepy bastard up at Michigan State doing this for years. And so many young women were afraid to come forward and speak. And then you look at what happened at Penn State with Jerry Sandusky and the sexual assault that was going on there. Did Joe Paterno know about it? These are pretty big black eyes on the Big Ten. But I'd like to remind you that Christine Brennan, a writer for the USA Today, once said that the biggest black eye in the history of the Big Ten was when they decided to play football during the COVID year. Do you remember this? I do. I do. The biggest black eye that the Big Ten ever had was Ohio State leading the way for football to come back. Yet you've got the Sandusky situation at Penn State and the Larry Nassar situation at East Lansing. So they had uh, Joe Rojas. He's a president of Local 506. They actually, they represent the employees at the correctional facility that Nasser's at. Said he's confirming that Nasser took two to the neck, two to the back, six to the chest, and suffered a collapsed lung. And he lived through this. And yeah, he has substantial injuries, but he's not dead. But that tells me they were trying to kill him. Yeah. This wasn't like, oh, I got a quick shank in. This is a hit. Yeah. This was an attempted homicide. But somehow, some way, this dude is going to live through it. Well, and the, the sad thing is, I mean, just person to person, I don't want anybody to die. It's hard to root for this guy. But even if they move him to another facility, it's just a matter of time. It, it doesn't It doesn't have to be today. There probably will come a day where he wish it was today. And it's interesting to me that 
you're right. This probably isn't the first threat that he's had. No. I wonder how often he was mixing it up with other inmates. Because the Delphi murderer that took two lives. Now, Larry Nasser did not kill children in cold blood. He sexually abused them. But the Delphi killer, he was put into solitary right away because all the inmates started chirping and almost made it to the point to where he felt suicidal, and they put him on suicide watch. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Larry Nasser's on the same kind of protected order. They probably don't have him out in gin pop. But let's be real, man. Like... The, the, whether it's prisoner, prison guards, whether it's prisoner, nobody likes anybody who molests kids. So if, if somebody somehow gets you three minutes, a la Jeffrey Epstein's cameras are shut down for two minutes, right? We can make things. We don't know what happened to the to the camera recording. The cameras were down the yeah. same time the guards weren't there. We don't know. We don't I know. I don't know. To, don't know what happened to Larry. <laughs> Jerry Lopez is filling in for Big Nige today. Um, so Ben and Jerry. The ice cream people, very progressive, very liberal. They've been putting all these social media posts out there about stolen land that should be returned. They're one of these people that if you scroll through your timeline on Independence Day, 4th of July, they're always trying to make you feel guilty for celebrating the country. They're those types of folks. And they feel like the stolen land should be given back to people. You sent me this story this morning. I agree. I agree with them. <laughs> I agree with them. So so they came out of all days, of all days, they put out a tweet on July 4th, and it says, and this is from the official Ben and Jerry's account, and as a Jerry, I take this personally, so I have to fight against this. This is the 4th of July. It's high time we recognize that the U.S. exists on stolen indigenous land and commit to returning it. Learn more and how to take action at Ben and Jerry's, whatever. It wasn't even one day. <laughs> one day. A Native American tribe that originally controlled the land in Vermont that Ben & Jerry's headquarters is located on watched their land return to them after the company publicly called for stolen lands to be returned. So Ben & Jerry's chirping about stolen land operate their business on stolen, stolen land. land. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I assume they've responded to folks and they've agreed to give the land up. Uh, right? So, so far, they're not fielding any more calls on that. I oh, don't okay. I don't expect for them to give it back, but I think that's the only response now is when, when somebody makes a comment like that, every posting under Ben & Jerry's needs to say, are you going to give up your Vermont headquarters back to the indigenous tribe that you stole the land from? Because once you make a comment like that, if you don't back it up, you just have to go away. Stolen land and reparations are hot right now for the political left in this country. They feel like they got a lot of momentum behind that, and Ben and Jerry's probably didn't think anybody would actually fact-check them on their bullcrap. Now, on the subject of reparations, California Reparations Task Force, they claim they want to eliminate child support from black residents. An 1,100-page report claimed discriminatory laws result in black Californians being burdened with child support debt, Jerry. Yeah, so they want to eliminate interest uh, for post-due child support, and they also want to eliminate accrued interest on existing child support. Now, don't worry. This is only going to be for the black residents, so everybody else, don't get excited. Um, <laughs> but And it's also going to provide forgiveness for low-income debt people as well. So if you are so far in the rears and you make no money, it makes it 
sound like they want to get rid of it. I guess my only question is, who does this help besides the deadbeat dads? Like, this does not help the mother this, who's raising the child on her own. This does not help the child who's been abandoned by their father. And and really, uh, it, it helps nobody other than other than this person that isn't willing to do what they stand up for. Now, we'll take it a step further. This task, this task force has already said that blacks and re, uh, black residents in California are already owed eight hundred billion dollars for reparations. Sure, so, sure. You know that's how serious we should take them. But this is an actual—they're <laughs> they're actually going for this, and it blows my mind because I—I I don't know the number one issue affecting people of color in, in our communities: fatherless homes. They should not be paying people or like being okay with you being out. You want to fix this? You hold people accountable, and it will help people of color. You want this to go south? Don't hold anybody accountable, and things will continue to go the way they're going. So if I understand this correctly, black folks in California don't have to pay child support if they get this through. Let's hear from Nick Cannon. Yes! <laughs> yes! Oh, yeah! Can you feel that, buddy? Huh? 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 feel like Nick's in favor of that. So, Jerry, tell me what the essence festival is and why it's trending so the essence festival is kind of a music festival that's put on uh by uh african-american entertainment slash media picture b-e-t-esque okay uh, and it was led this year uh by a performer named jill scott big name national name uh, she performed what she is dubbing uh, and what has since been dubbed by the Essence Festival as essentially the only version of the ex- uh, national anthem that will be acceptable from here on out. Who say, can you see by the blood in the streets that this song 18 minutes long yeah wow Whose blood built this okay you can turn that off now good lord so that was something viewed in a positive light yeah from one one side of the country definitely viewed that as uh positive when i heard that i had flashbacks to carl lewis Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Number one movie in America was not Indiana Jones, was not Spider-Man. 
It was the movie Sound of Freedom about human trafficking, especially children trafficking. Now, this fact-based story follows Tim Ballard, played by Jim Caviezel, Homeland Security agent tasked with bringing pedophiles to justice. Um, And then what he realizes is that there's some incredibly cruel things happening in society. So, Jerry, I turn to you. How did we get to the point in society where if you say, man, that movie was powerful, it becomes a political thing? Because the Washington Post, the Rolling Stone, and CNN, they claim you might as well have a tinfoil hat on and be a card-carrying member of QAnon if you're fascinated with this movie. Yeah, so another good example that The Guardian... Uh, five years ago, sent out a tweet. Child sex trafficking rife in Colombia's picturesque Cartagena. The historic city is cracking down on the industry that targets children and young women from poor neighborhoods. But on July 6th, they had this to say about Sounds of Freedom. Sound of Freedom, the QAnon-adjacent thriller seducing America. Jim Caviezel stars as a hero trying to stop child traffickers in a paranoid new movie turning into a surprise box office hit. So to your point, I don't know how far we have gone down in America where we can't all, regardless of where you stand politically, stand up together to stop the trafficking of children. To say that this movie bringing attention to one of the most underreported things that happen in this country, human trafficking, and that's what this movie does. It brings attention to it. It's based off of a true story. But this is the headline from the Washington Post. Sound of Freedom is a box office hit whose star embraces QAnon. This is Rolling Stone. This is their review. Sound of Freedom, the QAnon thriller about child trafficking, is designed to appeal to the conscience of the conspiracy-addled boomer. CNN is basically demanding nobody go out and see this movie. They say if you go to this movie again, you might as well end up being a card-carrying member of QAnon. And The Sound of Freedom does focus on a real issue of sex trafficking. Uh, But that theme, it's sort of like that kernel of truth that feeds the QAnon conspiracy theory. Uh, Tell us how those two things work together. These films are created out of moral panics. They're created out of bogus statistics. They're created out of fear. And with something like Sound of Freedom, it specifically is looking at QAnon concepts of these child trafficking rings that are run by the high-level elites and only people like Tim Ballard and only people like Jim Caviezel and by extension only people like the ticket buyer can help bring these trafficking rings down. So there's a very participatory element. So again, Jerry, imagine bending yourself into a pretzel to try to defend this movie because you want to stick it to Jim Caviezel. Like, that's a weird flex to me. I mean, it's hard to... to, to not be on Jim Caviezel's side. Listen, Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell were caught years ago, and we have not had one arrest or even a list or even a hint of a list of anybody who's been abusing these kids. From the client list, for sure. And they have hundreds of thousands of hours. If we're to believe everything they told us, Jeffrey Epstein kept very meticulous notes. He had photos. He had video. Hundreds of thousands of hours of video. He had official flight logs. He had all this stuff. So I don't think that 
the powers that be are necessarily trying to to put that out there either. So so I am very happy that that he put this out. And if it gains more attention, I know other companies are giving away free tickets to their employees to see this movie. Um, I think there was a pay it forward moment on Twitter where you could go to a certain website and just get free tickets to watch this movie at your local box office. So I am all for this. I support this movement completely. If you walk away and just when you see a kid by themselves, if you watch this movie and you see a kid by themselves and it causes you to, to pay attention for two or three more minutes to make sure that kid's okay, then I'm all for it. Back in 2014, long before Donald Trump made his way into the White House, CBS, they did a fantastic segment on their news, basically applauding Tim Ballard's work against child trafficking. Last weekend, police broke up a major sex trafficking ring in Colombia, which has become a destination for tourists looking for sex with boys and girls. The police had help from an American who went undercover to rescue the children. So that American was Tim Ballard. CBS loved it in 2014. Ten years later, that same media company is attacking you. If you're interested in going to see it because you're part of QAnon, you might as well have a tinfoil hat on. How the hell did we get from 2014, child sex trafficking is bad, to 2023, wait, are you trying to tell me you're a conspiracy theorist? I mean, it's so gross how far we have fallen off as a society. It should bring Republicans and Democrats together, libertarians and everybody else, blacks, whites, Hispanics, whoever. Yeah. Child trafficking is bad. Finally, something we can all agree on. <laughs> right. You'd think, <laughs> yeah. but Rolling Stone and CNN and the Washington Post would disagree. Uh, this past weekend, Donald Trump, showed up at a UFC fight, big card in the UFC. And man, did you see the video of him walking through the crowd? He looked like a hero's welcome, a rock star. Yeah, He gets a hero's welcome every time he pulls up. Standing ovation for Trump as he sat ringside and he watched the fights. Now, this was my favorite part. Had nothing to do with Donald Trump. So afterwards, UFC President Dana White, he put the smackdown on a reporter that was really trying to build up some sort of racial narrative between fighters and the UFC. So in the standoff in the ring after the main event, the challenger, um, who was a black guy, one of UFC's biggest smack talkers, went up to the guy that just won who was a white guy, and started talking trash. He used the N-word repeatedly. You know, he could get away with it because he was a black guy. A reporter asked Dana White about that post-match, and I love this response. Take a listen. The tension between those two and kind of the racial undertones and all those things. How do you... What were the racial undertones? Drigga uh, says he's the real African fighter, and so, you know, Israel dropped some N-words yeah. in there tonight. So what was the racial... Who did? Who dropped the, the racial? Is Israel he? was saying over and over, yeah. He's, he's black. 50 in-bombs. In okay, there. he's black. He... Who gives a I was going to say, so you don't oh. have any concern about the way the build-up, the tension between those two? I could care less. This is the fight business. Israel Adesanya can say whatever he wants to say. Who gives a Why, are, are people bitching about that? Some people. Oh, of course yeah. they are. Oh, f***ing A. All right, got it. <laughs> yeah. Too far. 
bad. <laughs> it's the fight business. Yeah. Who cares? I love that response. Now, now, Dana White's full of it on this. He he knows exactly what he's doing. So here you have the white fighter from South Africa. Uh, his last name's Duplessis. And he is telling the black fighter from New Zealand that he's the real African. So that's <laughs> where this comes from. So then uh, Israel Adesanya jumps into the ring. And he's, hey, my N-word. Hey, my N-word. Hey, my N-word. And Duplessis goes, I'm from Africa, but I'm no brother of yours. Okay. So that's what this is about. This is, this is if you don't think that they're going to use this 100% to hype this fight, then he's missing a great opportunity. But at the same time, if this reporter expects Dana White, a grown of all man. dudes, yeah. to fall for that, that ain't going to happen. They're going to fight at the end. Don't worry. Right, right. <laughs> Whether he was being racial or not, they're still going to punch each yeah. other in the face. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. And again, we are following this heartbreaking story from the Marion County Sheriff's Office where a deputy has lost his life in the line of duty. Deputy John Durham uh, was killed in an escape attempt by an inmate. That inmate was 34-year-old Orlando Mitchell. Now, if you remember, he is the one that is accused of shooting and killing his son's mother outside of a daycare back in 2022 shot the mom at the daycare. This is that piece of trash. He allegedly murdered John Durham, stole the van that was being used to transport him to and from a medical examination, took off in the van, crashed it, has since been reapprehended, but just an awful, heartbreaking story. And all throughout the afternoon and evening, we will have you covered here at 93 WIBC. I'm Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nights today. Do you know who Logan Paul is? I do. Jerry? I do. So Logan Paul at first was known as this YouTube personality. Now he's kind of a high roller with the WWE. His energy drink is called Prime Energy. And it's selling like hotcakes, man. People are buying this thing left and right. I see it all over the place. But crying Chuck, Chuck Schumer of New York, is calling for the FDA to investigate Logan Paul and his business partner, KSI's Prime Energy Drink, because they've noted that the amount of caffeine in this thing in one can is double the amount of a can of Red Bull. And because he's affiliated with YouTube and the WWE, they're concerned that kids are going to be drinking this thing and that's too much caffeine. I mean, that's exactly why kids are going to be drinking this thing, if we're being honest, because he's on YouTube and he's on WWE. I looked into this a little bit further. So it said a, uh, a 12-ounce can has 200 milligrams of caffeine. That's equivalent to drinking six cans of Coke or two... Uh, Red Bull energy drink. That's a lot of caffeine. I don't know if you can make it illegal based off that, but man, that's something I as a parent would like to know. So if I see my kids drinking this, I can tell them to cut it out. It, it reminds me a little bit of, do you remember when Four Locos got banned there for a little bit? Oh yeah, I totally it, forgot it about It kind of reminds guys. me of the same thing where they're like, okay, it's an alcoholic drink, but you're making people too caffeinated while they're drinking. Right. And they're going to have heart attacks and stuff. So I, so I, I think it kind of might be the same thing. I don't know about the legalities of it. 
the statement that Cry and Chuck put out, quote, one of the summer's hottest status symbols for kids is not an outfit or a toy. It's a beverage. But buyer and parents beware because it's a serious health concern for kids. It's so feverishly targets. Now, I would imagine that the camp of Logan Paul and KSI and Prime would be like, we don't feverishly target kids. You know, we put a product out there just like everybody there, else there's no, There's no Prime parades. Right. 100%. <laughs> um, but I, because of the popularity of WWE with youngsters, I think that's where we're going to have some legal stuff going on here. Uh, tell me more about this <laughs> this mayor from this area in Georgia that broke into a home. Yeah, so so he was recently arrested for uh, breaking and entering, and I think they even added like a burglary charge. Not really sure, uh, but he's the mayor of South Fulton in Georgia. His name is Mayor Khalid Camus. And uh, he told authorities he intended to purchase the property at some point. You know, it was his dream home. (laughs) So, hold on, hold on. (laughs) He breaks into a house, and his rationale was... Man, I might buy this thing. (laughs) Right, right. I might buy this thing. I can't imagine that went over well with not only the authorities, but the owner. Well, seeing that the homeowner wasn't trying to sell this thing, uh, it was actually (laughs) illegal. Uh, And and the funniest part is that he he hit them with the, uh, the, the phrase at all. B list, D list, <laughs> W list celebrities have. Do you know who the F I am? Okay. If you have to ask that question, then we don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> Which brings us to great moments in Do You Know Who I Am history. This is in Florida when a congressional candidate, Martin Hyde, got pulled over. You were observed going 57 and a 40, and you were on your phone texting while you were doing that. That was at Euclid and Fruitville. I'm not pointing at you. I'm pointing in the direction where it was. Go right ahead, sir. Can I see your license? Yes, sir, I do. You know who I am, right? Yes, sir, I do, and it's not going to help. Great moments in Do You Know Who I Am history. How about when Reese Witherspoon dropped her own name to the law officer? My name is Reese Witherspoon. You are arresting me for obstruction of justice. It will be in the national news. I just want to let you know. That's fine. Nobody cares. None of these officers care. But I think the gold standard in Do You Know Who I Am history has to be Ron Burgundy. Do you know who I am? (laughs) No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but kind of a big deal. (laughs) People know me. Is that a line you've used in the past, Jerry? I I will after today's show. Please, please. I want you to walk up to somebody. I'm a part-time host at WIBC. Be ready, pot bellies. You know who I am. (laughs) Kind of a big deal. (laughs) You're listening to that. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel Show. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out today. Indy Spanglish, Jerry Lopez filling in. And let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on one half of the Chicks on the Right program. Mock joins us. Lovely lady, how are you? 
I'm well. How are you doing? Man, I'm great. And anytime there's Britney Spears drama, one of the first <laughs> things I do is run to my phone and I get on the group text between you and Daisy because I think you ladies know how I feel about Britney Spears, right? Unfortunately, we are all too familiar <laughs> with how you feel about her, yes. <laughs> so we'll get into uh, the latest drama with Britney coming up in just a moment. But uh, first and foremost, have you lost any of your cocaine at the White House? I have not. I've been keeping track of all of it really well. <laughs> Is this story really a big deal? Like, Nige kind of downplays it. Oh, it's just a really? little cocaine. It's just a bag of blow. To me, this feels like a big deal. Oh, my God. It's a huge deal. And actually, I'm seeing tell Nigel that he's playing the left's game because what I'm seeing all over socials from the left is, what's the big deal? I mean, it's, it, they're, they're just downplaying it. So a little blow was found. Who cares? But the problem is, is that they found it and it could have been anything. So the bigger issue is not even that it's cocaine, which is a big issue on its own, because like, whose is it? I think we all know. But like, who's actually <laughs> going to take accountability for but the big issue, too, is that you can just sneak any old substance into the White House, apparently undetected. And everybody should be worried about that. Right. Because where this blow was found was near the Situation Room. And from what we were told by MSNBC, who broke this part of the story, it's not too far from where the vice presidential vehicles are. So you're talking right. about some high-level folks here that clearly don't need clearance for when they come in. But... You're right. What if that wasn't cocaine? What if it's yeah. anthrax? What if it's something else? Because if you're not screening certain high-level folks, what else can they bring in? Well, and it's funny that you say that about uh, the entrance that it was found at, because my new working theory is that since they just sort of casually slid in that reference to the vice president's parking area or whatever, that this is going to be how they finally get rid of Kamala. Bingo! I'm with you! I put the tinfoil really? hat on last week and said the same thing, and I got called an SOB! <laughs> no, I mean, you know how desperate they are to get rid of her, and this is such right. an easy way to do it. They could even blame it on the second gentleman. They could be like, your husband is seeming way too happy lately, especially because he's he's married to you, so that doesn't make sense. <laughs> so we're going to blame it on cocaine, and we can't have that in the White House, so you're going to have to go. I mean, do you think Kamala Harris knows how unlikable she is, or does she just live no. in oblivion? And, and the reason I know that is because she keeps talking about seeing what is possible unburdened by what has been. And no one is telling her to stop saying that. No one. And so I think she's just allowed to live in this like cloud of denial about what people really think of her and how much the American people are on to how dumb she is. Unburdened by what has been is like her catchphrase. Like the way Ed McMahon used to go, hi-oh! That's Kamala <laughs> Harris's catchphrase. It's in it every totally speech. <laughs> but imagine if you're Kamala Harris, though. Imagine what 
it's like being viewed as the drag on this current Biden ticket. Because look at Joe Biden. Look at all the things that this guy has not done or has tried to do. And you're viewed as the one that's unlikable. Like, it's almost, I can't wrap my head around the idea of somebody being the unlikable one on a ticket that features Joe Biden. Right. It's almost impossible to be that bad. And yet, look at how possible she has made it. <laughs> Mock <laughs> is here from the Chicks on the Right program. Are you at all into this movie about human trafficking, the Jim Caviezel yes. movie? Oh, my gosh. I could not be more into it. I saw it. Well, Daisy and I actually got a pre-screen invite to it from the makers. And so we saw it about a week before it actually came out. And so I watched it at home. And um, I watched it with my husband. And we were, I mean, it is such a powerful, fantastic, important, well done, not gratuitous at all movie. I just, I cannot say enough positive things about it and how important it is for everybody to see it. The fact that the mainstream media right now is trying so hard to dissuade people from seeing it tells you everything you need to know about the left. And the only excuse that I can think of that they that any human on the planet would try to dissuade from someone from knowing what's going on with this issue is that they are pedophiles themselves or they are interested in protecting pedophiles. Because there's no reason that everybody shouldn't see this movie. None. The movie is called Sound of Freedom, and I'm going to read you a headline here from the Washington Post. Quote, Sound of Freedom is a box office hit whose star embraces QAnon. Like, that's, oh my God. that's the angle here, right? If you dare go to the box office and want to watch this movie, Sound of Freedom, you might as well be putting on the buffalo hat and getting ready to storm the Capitol. Right. And, and, and notice how, you know, they don't ever do this when it comes to a Mission Impossible movie. They don't immediately say, well, Tom Cruise, that star of Mission Impossible is into Scientology and Xenu and all that stuff. They never do it because it shouldn't matter what the private thoughts or the or even public opinion, it shouldn't matter what position or ideology the actor holds when they're simply telling an important story. Jim Caviezel and whether he believes in QAnon or whatever else, it is insignificant and irrelevant to how important to the, to the subject matter of this film. And so that is their go-to, right? They want to they wanna immediately attack or delegitimize de de the movie, the actors, the creators, whoever, in an attempt to, to make people not want to see it. And that is freaking bananas. Because why would you not want people to know about this issue that's happening all over the world with U.S. being the biggest consumer of child trafficking? Why would you not want people to know that? And I got to thinking about this the other night. And as a parent, not as a radio host or a talk show host or a political guy, as a parent, and Mock, you're a parent too, how did we get to the point to where you could say trafficking children is bad and all of a sudden it becomes this big political dividing talking point to where, well, you must be into QAnon if you think child trafficking is bad. How the hell did we get to this? <laughs> this point. 
Well, that's a great question. And, and aren't you glad to be on the right side of it? Because, again, the people who are trying to pin this to QAnon or whatever are totally discounting the fact that this story is true, that this is based, it is a documentary, essentially. It is a film showing what actually happened with Tim Ballard and how he was able to rescue kids and how he's on a continuous crusade to rescue kids. Why would anyone want to be on the opposite side of that argument? I have no idea, except that anybody who is, I am automatically assuming that they're a pedophile because, like, they're legit is no other reason. Mock joining us from the Chicks on the Right, chicksontheright.com. All right, let's get into Britney Spears here because <laughs> so many headlines have come out about this situation that took place in Vegas. So this number one pick in the NBA draft, seven foot five kid, teenager from France, Victor Wembanyama. I guess Britney He's saw him seven at a five? Seven five. He's a big drink of water. So Oh my God. Britney sees him at the hotel, maybe a couple other places. Well, then she sees him out having a meal somewhere in Vegas. So Brittany goes up, uh, I guess tries to like touch him on the back to say, hi, I'm Brittany. Welcome to Vegas. Let's make love. I don't know what she wants. <laughs> but without even looking, like Victor's entourage just pimp hands her, slaps her in the back, knocks her glasses off. But then we find out later that the police report said that Britney hit herself, and <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, but why is Britney Spears chasing a 19-year-old NBA player around, Mock? Why is Britney Spears doing literally anything that she ever does, <laughs> ever? <laughs> because, I mean, all it takes is one glance at her Instagram and the kind of content she's posting, you know, dancing around, looking absolutely strung out on meth, like, just acting like an idiot. But her so, body looks so fantastic, though, Mock. Her body still, she still got the fastball when it comes to that bot. Yeah, but look at her face. Like, she's so, you're, her dad right now is totally laughing at the entire country for siding with Brittany about getting out of the conservatorship. He's like, see, what did I tell you? Maybe this country owes Brittany's dad an apology. I've never thought about that. But the police report says that when this guy's entourage like reach back to smack Brittany away from the basketball player they claim that his hand hit Brittany's hand which hit herself in the face but to me oh. all that is when you were a kid did you ever play the stop hitting yourself game with like your brother <laughs> or your sister where you grab their hand stop hitting yourself stop hitting yourself <laughs> like I don't really think Brittany hit herself she kind of had a little assistance in that <laughs> I know it's very hard to I mean the police report was so odd to hear that she hit you know to read that she hit herself but then when you watch the one clip that's kind of been going around socials it very much looks like she was trying to tap him on the back or the shoulder or whatever she could reach um, and you know the, his his security detail or whatever immediately knocked her back and so I don't think it looks like she hit herself 
And in, in his defense, she doesn't look like Britney Spears anymore. So he may have just, I mean, the, the whole security team might have thought this is just another one of those crazy groupies and they didn't recognize her or they were just reacting to the arm reaching towards their guy and they just immediately, you know, they didn't even think to look who it was. They just immediately pushed her back. But the, the question, you know, it goes back to what you said. Why, when you are Britney Spears, are you running up like a weirdo and asking to take a picture with someone? Just have your people call his people and set it up. Right. You don't have to chase him through a hotel or whatever. I yeah. may need your help singing background vocals on a new Hammer and Nigel Records, Hit Me Wimby One More Time. I'm just telling you that right now. I may need your background vocals. <laughs> Mock. Hi, baby, baby. How I do? <laughs> That's pretty solid. Mock from the Chicks on the Right.com. As always, we appreciate your time. You bet. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. And it takes me back to a simpler place in time. When we used to kick back and let the moon shine. Moon shine Monday. Jerry, when was the last time you took a good shot of the shine? Is it a culture thing? Am I a pasty white guy because I have a big abundance of the shine over here? Hey, I don't know. I don't know what you call it, but this is a fantastic way to get people together. <laughs> so I support this 100%. Uh, that is Jerry Lopez on Twitter at Indie, Indie Spanglish filling in for Big Nige. So sometimes we have some bootleg stuff from Decatur County. Other times we find other distilleries that are willing to hook us up. Allison, our producer, brought us this little uh, nugget here from North Carolina. Sugarlands Shine. This is a little Mark Rogers American peach. So I'm going to hand you this little shot of the Sugarlands Shine peach that Allison gave us. And uh, before we drink this, are you making a toast to anybody? Toast to just enjoying this moment right here. This is uh, this is a great <laughs> first day ever in the history of my first days. This is the best. Not every first day features moonshine <laughs> and debauchery. So cheers, my friend. Here we go. Mm. 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 What do you think? That's definitely a keep. That's super <laughs> smooth, super clean. That was actually very delicious. Yes, and hat tip to uh, Allison for hooking us up on this Moonshine Monday. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.